John the Baptist is a fascinating guy, isn't he? And it's really hard to sort of know what to make of him. On the one hand, there is no doubt at all that he is one of the greatest characters in the whole Bible. But on the other hand, he's also just a bit of a radical nutcase. And actually, just probably rather embarrassing to be around. So on on one hand, um, he is the great fulfilment of all the prophets in the Old Testament. He dresses like Elijah, the great, probably the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, with his camel hair and his, his leather belt and the, what he eats, the locust dipped in honey. Same thing Elijah did. Um, there's even a prophecy about John the Baptist that we see in verse 3. This is what it says in Isaiah. It says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That is John the Baptist. It's pretty great if you have a prophecy about you in the Old Testament and you fulfil it in the New. Later we'll see that Jesus pays John great honour and respect as well. In verse 5 we see that John has a great following of people. Many people came to listen to him and be baptised by him. And later, even after that, we see that John is a man of great conviction that he dies for what he believes he is beheaded at the end of his life. He is not fickle, but he holds his conviction strongly. All things that we love and admire. Yet on the other hand, can you imagine if one day John became the vicar here? He has, he's a man of such single-mindedness that he has no regard for the conventions or, or thoughts of the day. Do you think he would preach in a, a tie and jacket? No, I, I was umming and ahhing about getting my camel hair jacket out, to, um, but I haven't got one. Um, can you imagine showing him around the vicarage going, look at this lovely, comfortable um, house in Putney that we've got for you? And he goes, actually, I'm, I, I think I'm just going to rough it in Wimbledon Common. Um, would you accept an invitation for lunch with him um, in his two-man tent in the Common? What, I wonder what he might serve you. And I think the thing that really gets us is imagine if you brought a friend to church who's thinking about Christian stuff and you want something that's not going to be a bit off-putting or embarrassing or awkward as you walk through the door you'd be thinking I would be thinking please let it not be John the Baptist preaching today (laughs) because he says repent and he says you brood of vipers he points out the thing that is awkward that no one wants to talk about that is going to put people off, so we say. And he says it boldly and without apology. So what are we to make of him? And I think that we should rightly feel uncomfortable around him because he embodies two characteristics which I think are rare, particularly in the church today. And those two characteristics are He has an incredibly high desire for holiness or repentance. And what I mean by that is, or what he says by that is in verse 8, he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. His longing for himself and for everyone around him is that their lives be radically transformed to reflect the life of Jesus or God or what the law teaches 
but he's also incredibly humble. There are, there are two points here. Today, all we're going to do is look at John the Baptist and these two characteristics that he embodies, his holiness, his repentance, and his humility. And it's going to be awkward. Let's just say that from the off. We're going to find it uncomfortable. And if you do find it uncomfortable, let's just say now, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that is God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit working in you, niggling at you that something maybe isn't right in your life or in your heart. And that is a good gift from God. Let's just put that out there now and and hold on to that. But before we move on to those two things, there are two points today. We're going to look at John's holiness and his humility. There are two things that John sees really clearly that other people don't see. And we're going to call those, they're like our theological foundation stones. I don't know if you can see that down here, but I put the kingdom and the king. What John sees is the coming of the kingdom and the coming of the king. And from there, that is what he stands on. And from there, that is where his holiness and his humility grows. Let me explain what I mean. So in verse 2, he says, repent, that is change your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What John sees is a new kingdom coming in. He sees the division between earth, between this world, and between a coming kingdom of heaven. And the second thing he sees is the king of that kingdom who is Jesus. We see that in verse 11. He says, I baptise you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's saying there's a coming, I can see this coming kingdom of heaven coming, and I can see the king coming, who is mightier than I, and he can look at that and see it, And then he looks at this world now, and he looks at the kingdom of heaven again, and he looks at this world now, and he sees in his mind, these two can't fit together. And what we would want to say is, Jesus, you need to change your kingdom so it fits with what we're like. And Jesus says, no, I'm not doing that. And John the Baptist knew that wouldn't be the case. What John says is we need to change to be like the coming kingdom. So in this world, there is drunkenness. In the kingdom of heaven, there is sobriety. In this world, there is sexual sin. In the kingdom of heaven, there is sexual purity. In this world, there are words of harshness and anger. In the kingdom of heaven, there are words of love and patience and kindness the two do not go together and what John is saying is we need to change we need to repent we need to be holy so that's the first thing we're going to think about is John the Baptist holiness and even, even saying that word holiness I just, you just sound so old fashioned don't you it's like something that you would hear 50, 60 years ago but it is something that is, that is wonderful and something that this world is lacking and striving for, yet not even knowing they are. 
And what John describes it as is in, in verse 8 is bearing fruit with repentance. So like you can spot an apple tree, it's got apples on it. You can spot a Christian because they've got Christian fruit coming out of their life. You can, you can see it. Their life fits what they believe. And they're not going to be perfect, but you can see signs of it. You can see areas of growth. And in verse 10, John says some some challenging words for us. This is where it gets uncomfortable. He says, even now the axe is laid to the roots of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And this is my fear for the, the church in the West, but particularly in this country, is there are large sections of what we would call the evangelical church in the UK that have slowly abandoned teaching on holiness. It's not mentioned much from the pulpit. It's not mentioned much amongst the church people. There are very few challenges on, on lifestyle, of encouraging people to to. Re- to do genuine repentance in their life, to help each other with that. Because the church growth gurus would say that that sort of stuff puts people off coming in. So you don't talk about those things. You want want to get people in, and then we'll talk about the nice stuff to keep them. And we forget about those things. And what you end up with, you can end up with churches that can be full. Yet my fear is the axe is already at the root of those churches and if there is no fruit they will be thrown into the fire so a big lie that we we often believe is that we can have Jesus and believing in him yet we say well I don't really need to change my life and what we see is that and we see this consistently throughout the Bible is that the gospel comes in in two parts yeah, I've, I've written them up. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Repentance and belief. Changing in life and, and faith. Um, John the Baptist says, repent and be baptised. Repent and baptism is believe that you've been washed clean of your sin. In theological terms, we might say, you've been justified by Jesus. He's taken your sin away. Um, sorry, that's this one. You've been justified and be sanctified as well. Be washed daily. Be made new each day. Be changed in your life. And what is so common, and what we do, is we pick our favourite one, and we major on that and neglect the other one. So if we just have repentance, if we just do repenting, what that ends up looking like is religious duty. It might start with us feeling guilty about something, And we tell ourselves, I can sort this out, I can fix my problem, this no longer needs to be an issue. Um, What I'm going to do is get some rules and restrict my behaviour, and then I'm going to go back to God and say, look, I've sorted my life out, now you're going to accept me. And that is just empty religious duty. And it misses out Jesus completely, and the cross misses out prayer, confession, seeking forgiveness study of his word but just as bad is we leave out the repentance and we just have belief now I've got a 
uh, one of my children is nearly two and he's started talking. It's a great stage. It's really fun. And one of the things, this is a, a clergyman's dream, is that he can say sorry now. And he says it with a cheeky little grin on his face and he goes, sorry, like that. Uh, and what he does is he'll whack his brother in the face and go, sorry. And we'll go, okay. Uh, uh, and then he'll do it again. Whack him in the face. Sorry. And I think what we figured out is he's not really sorry. He's, he's just saying it. Um, and what we try and say to him is sorry means change. The way you, sh- you show that you're truly sorry is you change your life. What John says in verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you believe the gospel, your life reflects the gospel. And it's so easy to slip into this way of thinking. What happens is, again, it often starts with a feeling of guilt. And what we do is we rightly come to Jesus and we confess our sin. And we trust in his work on the cross. And we feel guilt lifting. And that is all right. But the mistake we make is what we do after that. Is that when the guilt is gone, we go, oh great, I can just get on with my day. And we do the same thing over and over again. We commit the same sexual sin and we go, sorry. Or we we get drunk again and we go, sorry. Just like my one-year-old. It's possible to soothe our feelings of guilt in perhaps a really good and right way with the gospel, yet not really pray for repentance at the same time. So true, true holiness comes with both of those things. Never one, never one, but always both. Always Repentance and always belief. Always belief and always repentance. It's a prayer of Father, forgive me and change me. Justify me and sanctify me. Like in verse 6, the people who came to John the Baptist, they they confessed their sins and were baptised. And the call for them was to repent of their sins. They are to do both of those. Sorry means changed. Guilt is not something that's to be squashed down and ignored. It's something to be taken to the cross and dealt with there. And pray, Lord, please help me. Please forgive me of this. And please help me to change in this. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, The second thing we learn about John the Baptist is his humility. Uh, it's very easy to get our humility wrong, isn't it? We can, we can look at others and admire their humility and try and work on a, a kind of false humility in ourselves of, of looking hu- humble on the outside. Or we can compare ourselves to other people and we can feel perhaps more impressive than we really are, if, depending on who we compare ourselves to. And it's understandable in some ways. Much of life is about... How can I get people to think I'm better than I really am? Because that's how you get the good jobs. That's how you make career progress. That's how you impress people. That's how you get the, the pretty girlfriend. 
genuine humility can often set you back in our world. And what John teaches us is remember again those two foundation stones. He sees the kingdom coming and he sees the king. And in the light of that, as he compares himself to that, he can say, well, who am I? Look at that king who's coming. I am not worthy to tie his sandals. That is the truth about who we are compared to Jesus. We have, we have great honour. We have great dignity in being people. We have great value in that it's that we've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. But we are not God. And we can mistakenly think that we are. John was one of the greats, but he knew someone so much greater than himself that he adopted a position of incredible humility. And as we, as we come to a close here, I've just got two, two things of application. Um, the first is, I want to help us to think about what these two things look like when we push them together. Because this is, this is incredible. When this dawned on me, um, it, it blew my mind. What often happens within ourselves as individual Christians, as in, as in with, a, with a church, if we take one of these, if we say we're really going to all be about holiness, then the church, group, uh, the church growth experts will say, well, that's going to put people off. And what we're going to present is a holier-than-now group, uh, a judgmental people. And people will come in and think, oh, they, they're, just, they're just super holy. Um, I could never come in there. I'm not like them. They're presenting this, this perfect life. And there is no place for me. And people won't come in. And that, and that is true. But what do we do about that? Some would say we've got to stop talking about holiness. We've got to just say all those things the Bible says are sinful, just, they're just not sinful anymore, we, we've made mistakes about those. That's what many people say. And this is what I found so helpful, is that is, not the, that is not the way. The way is to hold that up higher, talk about it even more, yet add humility. And that is incredibly powerful when we do that. And the world is... The world is hopeless. The world is looking for something powerful that can change them. Many people feel stuck in a rut in the same sinful behaviours and patterns. And if the church's message is those things don't matter, Jesus doesn't really mind anymore, we got that wrong in the past, then the church has got nothing to offer them. But if we say, look, Jesus' standards are that high, yes, but look, we're a group of people. We are all in the same boat as you. In fact, most of us are probably worse than you. We don't compare ourselves to each other. We compare ourselves to Jesus. And there's humility here. And you're welcome to come in. And you're, you're welcome to wrestle these things through with us. Weakness is okay. In fact, it's good to show it. Because that is what we are really like. And that is wonderful, isn't it? So please, let's not neglect holiness as a good virtue. But let's have it with humility as well, like John showed.
And my last application, and where we'll finish, is for many of us, it, this might just feel too much. It might be that we're, we're stuck in patterns of, of life um, or behaviours um, or ways of thinking that are just too big for us. And we kind of know we've got niggles at the back of our mind that I need to put this right and I need to stop it. But you know that the cost is going to be huge to do that. That you just feel you can't do it or relationally it's going to be too, it's going to be too big a cost. It's going to hurt other people. It's going to cost you your career maybe. People will think you're weird. If that, is, if that is for you, then I, what I want to hold on to as we finish is, is verse 9. John was talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious people. They had repentance without belief. Um, and they presumed that they were okay because they had Abraham as their father. And he said, do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. If right now you know that you want it, you desire to be holiness, to be holy, but you don't as well, that it just feels too big and too much, then hold on to that, that you are a stone. If, if that is what you feel like, that you are a stone, that God can raise you up and make you a child of God. That's his promise. And please make that your prayer today, that if there's something that you know must change in your life, Come before God and say, Lord, can I be one of those stones? I feel lifeless and hopeless. Please change me. I'm sorry and change. I believe in Jesus and I want to repent of that. I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for John the Baptist. We thank you for his awkwardness and that he provokes us to think and to change. I pray for anybody here who's just feeling like their life needs repentance and maybe it's a particular area of life. Please would you stir them up. Please give them power. Please give them strength. Please give them humble, holy friends around them to help them in that. And please give them grace by the Holy Spirit to change. We pray that you'd help us to grow in our holiness and in our humility. In your name we pray. Amen.